so my eldest son's dad um, very sadly died by suicide 12 years ago. You know, and I, I can't begin to imagine what that must have been like for him. I was, oh, there's so much misinformation out there. I mean, we we don't really talk about death as, as in a society. You know, the more you learn about grief and loss, you actually realise that there, there are so many other losses that we can experience in our lives, you know, as something that really kind of, I hear it a lot and it, it oh, it's just so frustrating because what I see versus what people are saying is very different. So I hear people say, oh, you know, men aren't good at talking about their thoughts or their feelings or, or what's going on for them. So there's that real conflict of, you know, when she did die, um, the, there was the conflict because I didn't want her in pain anymore, but also I didn't want her not to be here anymore. And I think... Hi, Emma. Welcome to the Never Fully Heard podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's good to see you. Where I want to start the podcast is when did you first understand what mental health even was? I mean... It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because I think you've got an awareness of it, but you it, it doesn't really get brought to your awareness um, until, it, it, well, certainly in, in my case, we, so my eldest son's dad um, very sadly died by suicide 12 years ago. And I think that was really the moment, you know, that it brought massively into my awareness that you you, you know you can't avoid something like that you've, you've got to kind of face into it and there was just this sudden realization of I you know being a mum of two boys as well I was like I don't know enough about this um for my own well-being but also to think about how am I gonna you know help my children um so I think that was like a real key turning point for me to realize I need to know more about this thank you thank you for sharing and was that like a a fairly immediate reaction to look for help and figure out a way to get better at it or did that did that take time yeah um like like many people who are bereaved by suicide or, or, or bereaved in general you tend to get swept into doing things so organizing things doing things um and and so you 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 don't really have time to kind of process what's gone on and I guess there's an element of shock as well I think that's quite a common thing to experience um so it it wasn't until kind of some time had passed and um I was really kind of reflecting uh on what had happened and and actually people's reactions to what had happened and you know I just knew I had to learn more so that that was when I I decided to just put myself on it wasn't through work or anything like that it was it, I just decided to put myself on a mental health first aid course and I, I I was like right I need I need to really focus on um yeah on my eldest son actually that you know really wanted to kind of think how how I need to learn about this but what I noticed and I think a lot of people do this is when you go and learn about mental health and you do something like a mental health first aid of course you you actually start realizing about your own mental health and well-being and it really makes you have to think about that and I think we spend so much time kind of avoiding thinking about that I know I did um so yeah, I had to, you know, sit for two days thinking about, 
you know, mental health and my yeah. mental health and what does this mean? So, so yeah. Yeah, and how how had it impacted your eldest son in that in that moment? Oh gosh, I mean, uh, it's very difficult. I can't really speak on his behalf, but um, you know, like I can't begin to imagine what that must have been like for him. I really can't. But what I do know now, and you know, hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? But also, it can be really cruel. And I think, you know, some of the things looking back now, you know. Um, it it's probably wasn't that helpful it was kind of trying to carry on as normal and and how you know how can you do that um so we've done a lot of work together now around um you know being able to talk about what happened and he's a lot older now as well which makes a difference um but also remembering his dad as well and I think a lot of people who have been bereaved they they don't have a lot of you know places or spaces where they can reminisce and remember someone who they've lost so and I think you know now I know that and now I've learned what I've learned um you know if I could go back in time and I you know we can't um there's definitely some things that I would have changed around how I responded to that which would have then potentially hadn't had an impact on how he was feeling and what was going on for him and has that changed how you've uh, worked with people that um, have experienced bereavement since? Yeah, massively, massively. Um, you know, just, oh, there's so much misinformation out there. I mean, we we don't really talk about death as, as in a society anyway. And, you know, it's kind of the thing we don't want to talk about because, we you know, a lot of people just want to focus on living or... Um, so we don't we tend to avoid that as a subject so people who have been bereaved often feel quite isolated quite alone um and there there's some stuff that we say i think sometimes it's like out of awkwardness we don't really know what to say um you know a lot of people that i speak to are like oh i wouldn't wouldn't know what to say and and so they tend to say these things that we don't always think about is that helpful or not so you know things like um things that have been said to me for example are things like oh well he's in a better place now um and it's kind of like it's not acknowledging how somebody really feels it's almost like we're trying to move them out of how they really feel and you know all that does is make someone feel more isolated and more alone with their feelings and and what would be a because I'm sure that's just a case of um in a lot of in a lot of times not knowing what's in that being almost like a cliche phrase um Mm -hmm. for lack of better term but what would what's a better way to phrase that what's a better way to 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 acknowledge someone's emotions in that moment exactly as you said acknowledge the emotions you know um I was feeling very sad I was I was left with so many unanswered questions and if if somebody had acknowledged that and and validated how I was feeling rather than um you know try, trying to get me to focus on something else more positive um I think that would really have helped me you know having that validation and being able to feel what I was feeling um and like most people you know what it what I ended up doing was just kind of suppressing um what how I was feeling and and not not really dealing with it um yeah so it would have for what would I have liked I would have liked someone to acknowledge how I was feeling, listen. Um, even if they'd said to me, 
do you know what, Emma? I don't know what to say. <laughs> that would have that would have felt kinder than some of the things that that were said. You know. Yeah, I, I can totally understand that. And what have you? Um, you've gone on to to go into to coaching. Um, mm-hmm. What was it that motivated you to want to to be a coach and to help other people? Yeah, I think um, I think seeing um, seeing how you know how people are treated, um, and also recognizing through my own kind of journey of um, you know working with my own grief and my own losses and you know, the more you learn about grief and loss, you actually realise that there there are so many other losses that we can experience in our lives, you know, as well as bereavement. So when you really start looking at it, you know, it, it, there's quite a lot that people can um, work on within themselves. Um, so I think that then made me realise actually, you know, because of the work I'd done with myself and on myself, it made me feel hopeful that perhaps I could help other people. Um, and that's what I'm doing. So, and, you know, it's a lot of people will say, oh gosh, you know, you work in grief and loss and um, I do a lot of uh, suicide prevention training for different organisations and things like that. And people are like, how can you do that all day? And actually, do you know what? It's really refreshing because there's, people just say how they feel and the honesty um, and there's there's something about sitting with somebody um, and the honesty of that. It's quite a privilege to be, sit with someone when they're when they're able to be fully emotionally honest. Um, so it's rare that we get those moments, I think. A hundred percent. I think that is something that, um, yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, really well described that how amazing it is to have emotional intimacy. You know, the mm. the reason behind starting the, the podcast was because a lot of time I, I can only speak for my experience with my guy friends I can't speak for um that's why I've kind of targeted it at men and I know there is stats to show that that male suicide mm. is is higher but I know there's there's problems everywhere but in in terms of um yeah the experiences I think a lot of guys are crying out for more emotional intimacy not in the the sense of it's always spoken about like physical intimacy and and hooking up but I think a lot of guys are craving emotional intimacy being able to have really um honest emotional conversations with each other um Mm. about whether it's bereavement whether it's about um love whether it's just about things they want um and I think yeah I just think there's such a um there's such a space for for more of these to be created and it shouldn't always happen when something uh really bad has happened um it should also be happening um when things are really good um as well yeah and I like while we're on that subject Nick (laughs) there's there's something that really kind of I hear it a lot and it it, it's just so frustrating because what I see versus what people are saying is very different so I hear people say oh you know men aren't good at talking about their thoughts or their feelings or or what's going on for them and and that's that's really not what I'm seeing you know when I'm training people um, in mental health first aid suicide first aid um, but also when I'm working with men, um, working through their own losses and their own bereavement and their grief, actually, that's not what I'm seeing. I, what what I'm seeing is men being able to articulate how they're feeling and how they feel this pressure 
um, in certain spaces to have to conceal how they're feeling or to act or behave in a, in a different way. Um, so I think, you know, what you're doing with this podcast um, is is fantastic because it's 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 breaking down that stigma and it's helping people to think about where are there maybe some safe spaces where they can go and talk um, and they mm. can, you know, free from judgment. That's, that's, you know, wouldn't that be amazing to have spaces, um, you know, free from judgment where people, you know, men, particularly, as you said, you know, around the statistics, we know more men die by suicide. Um, you know, it's so important to create those safe spaces. So if anyone is listening, um, you know, and you're working in an organisation, um, you know, thinking about that, where are the safe spaces for men in your organisation to be able to sit and talk about how they're feeling? Because we need more of those. 100%. There's, um, there's a really interesting initiative in Australia because um, they had they have a real problem with elderly loneliness mm-hmm. and they were running these um like kind of coffee events and loads of women would turn up but they had a real problem with getting guys to turn up and what one person did is they started like a tool shed basically where on the the weekend or whenever um groups of guys meet up and basically just fix random things in this in this tool shed mm. um and they basically had loads of guys flooding there and in that uh, environment they found that um they were opening up about everything their emotions like every everything that was going on in their lives that they had trouble with they were starting to open up and they found such a community in it so I think it's just I think as you said it's not that I guess men are bad at doing it it's just we haven't found as many good spaces mm. for, for men to open up in and I think it's just yeah, the more people that can can get involved in the space and and create them, then I think it's just yeah, so beneficial. But I thought that was a really interesting yeah. example. Of it it may just take a different yeah, route. exactly. And I think that you know it's it's thinking creatively, isn't it? It's thinking you know and asking people what they need as well. I think you know as a society, we we I think we assume a lot what people need, and it's you know, when actually we can ask that person, what do you need right now? Mm. And, you know, going back to our, our conversation earlier around, you know, if someone's bereaved or someone's going through some kind of loss of some kind, you know, rather than stumbling and trying to work out what we should say, you know, really simply being able to ask them, well, what do you need right now? Um, so, yeah, that definitely works when you think about spaces. But, yeah, the, the tool shed, that sounds very cool. What? would you say what is the the definition of grief well it's you know it's a very natural reaction for us um when we have a loss of some kind um and i i really want to stress that kind of natural reaction because um it is a, a something that we do all experience you know differently of course everyone is unique um, and often what we tend to find when we're grieving is is that we will experience some form of conflict as well. So um, to give you an example, uh, my nan, bless her, um, when she died, she was very ill, um, but she was an uh, incredible person. Um, she was one of those those people that you would just want to pick up the phone and just chat about your day and stuff like that. Incredible woman. Um, and... Um, so there's that real conflict of, you know, when she did die, um, the, there was the conflict because 
I didn't want her in pain anymore, but also I didn't want her not to be here anymore. And I think that is um, what a lot of people experience when they're going through any kind of loss is that conflict, those conflicting feelings. And that's what can cause this, you know, emotional uh, pain and difficulty that we experience. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. And would you say there's any other conflicting I guess what are some unexpected emotions that people don't think they should be feeling during the grieving process god well there's there's all kinds of emotions isn't there I mean you know we we can we can also feel them all in one day as well so you know there's um you know there's kind of anger frustration (laughs) sadness loneliness um and you know we can have moments of joy as well you know when we think about um, those those memories and just thinking about a memory could could take you through a whole range of different emotions um, and the, the challenging thing is as well um, is if, if we aren't kind of working through those emotions and we're, we're not we haven't got those safe spaces to be able to talk about how we're feeling we can push it down and push it down and, and you know that sadness that loneliness could could come out as kind of that emotional sapping that anger that frustration um and then you know a lot of clients that I work with will then start asking you know the question you know they'll kind of go well what's wrong with me why why am I doing this and you know so then we can feel that kind of Mm. distress as well around our own like feelings and thoughts so yeah it can be quite um yeah quite a a range of emotions that people can experience would you almost say you were um grieving um did you, did you say your your nan did you say were you almost grieving whilst she was uh, alive that's a really that's a really interesting point around that like anticipation so less so with my nan um but it's interesting that you mentioned that topic because my mum um she has terminal cancer and um <laughs> it's a bit, a bit cheeky but I do actually call her the terminator because She's just doing so well. So um, she, uh, when did she, she had her first diagnosis of breast cancer, what, uh, it's probably about 16 years ago now. And then she had her secondary diagnosis, uh, it's about five or six years ago. Um, And, you know, I remember us all being, you know, going into the uh, oncologist and having this kind of consultancy and it was, to you know we, we were reviewing medication and you know drug trials and, and and all of this kind of stuff and you know we were told potentially it could be six months and this was you know five six years ago now um and that was that's definitely been a feeling for me is that kind of um you, you know knowing that she's living with a terminal illness and oh my goodness she is the terminator right because she is she is here and and doing really well you know there are days mm. when she you know finds it really difficult particularly you know the, the um side effects and things like that um but knowing knowing that you are gonna lose somebody um it's really conflicting really conflicting so um and i i also uh we've just recently had um the bereavement of my mother-in-law and my mother-in-law um had alzheimer's so that was an, another kind of that in t- anticipation of that loss um and you know experiencing that loss of someone because of a loss of their personality 
you know, loss of sense of who they are, who you remember them to be. Um, so this just shows, doesn't it, how we can experience grief and loss in so many different ways. Um, and the chances are someone you're working with, someone that's in your network, in your circle, is experiencing some form of loss of some kind, you know, and they could be feeling um you know feelings of grief as well yeah i mean i'm I'm sorry to hear but glad that um your mum is fighting fighting She's doing great. That, is, yeah, that, really is, good. that is positive to to hear um yeah it, it is such a conflicting process and it's a it's a really hard one i mean the um the conversation i had today was with a, a guy that was diagnosed with um bipolar mm-hmm. and he experienced um a sense of loss of identity mm. Um, he felt totally kind of um, like he was yeah out of touch with society um, and it kind of brings back to this sense of community that I think people and just mm. all people in society are craving for the feeling of being a part of something that people care for them and he said something so so touching he was like this uh, he was studying for his uh, PhD I think at the time and he said that because his researcher went out the way to um, recommend him as a research assistant for uh, like a program that because he realized someone cared about him that was the reason that he didn't commit suicide and it was just yeah such a moment to think how powerful it is just uh, to be there for people and to um, tell people that you, you care about them because um, you never know when some of these tragic moments and illnesses that they can strike and they can come into your life and cause um a lot of pain so it's just uh I think it really makes me reflect and think that um whenever you get moments with your uh with your loved ones just uh even though they are tough in these circumstances but just uh yeah really be present and uh enjoy enjoy every moment you can Mm. that power of connection isn't it is you know when you feel seen when you feel heard um yeah like you say it it can it can change you from um, not having hope and not seeing a way forward to then actually, you know, having that hope and, and seeing a difference and, and having a purpose. So, mm. yeah. And what you said before about um, having certain reminders of the, the person, mm. I think everyone does deal with grief in their own way. I remember I still got the, um, I don't know what the word for it is, the, the card that um, is at uh, a funeral that had a, has kind of what the, um, like the service what, yeah on it yeah 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 I've still I've still got that um from my granddad's um funeral and I think it is I I think with when um my own experience of funerals is that it comes by really quickly mm. and it can be often the event you're kind of keeping a, a I guess a brave face is a word for it mm. but more just it, you're in the moment and then it's it's kind of afterwards and the, the quiet moments was when I started to I guess kind of grieve myself but it's um what what st- what's are there are there different stages of grief i remember um seeing this online somewhere but what what are some of the different stages people go through in grief yeah and i th- say that there are um the stages and and the stages of of um grief were really designed around somebody um with a terminal illness and they they were kind of looking at it from that perspective but i think there are different um you know emotions feelings um I think thinking about um, what you were talking about there, and it's it's definitely a lot of work that I do when I'm working with clients one to one, is that 
we kind of look at society we look at how um the expectations of us so you know you were talking about you know that pressure to be strong um and to to kind of put this brave face on in front of our our family and our friends and things like that and then what we kind of learn is that we then you know if we're going to grieve that we should do that on our own that's kind of what society kind of teaches us that's that's how we should do it um and that's it can be so incredibly isolating um so you know I, I hear this a lot from clients that I work with from friends and family where you know they they um you know they're almost not fully present at the funeral because they're they're working so hard to to be what they think other people mm. need them to be um so it's interesting to hear you know different experiences and things like that yeah that is I think I mean I think that applies to life I think I've heard that a lot but that I can imagine that being the case that you only get hit by some people can only get hit by the grief once they've kind of managed to drop the I guess the the face that they were holding up and eventually mm. let the emotions get through yeah and there's a there's um you know there's a lot of um healing in in kind of having your feelings heard you know this this is you know um why people like me do the work that we do and and counselors and um you know because that that power of having your thoughts and feelings witnessed by another human being that connection that we were talking about earlier can be incredibly healing so you know if, if we are if if we're feeling like we can't share that with people we can't share how we're feeling that we've got to hide that away and and some people feel really ashamed of, of that you know they feel um you know and I think this is again you know from working with um a lot of men that I work with is you know I, I couldn't cry in front of um my siblings because I needed to be I needed to be the, that strong person so you know these these kind of unspoken rules that are there that are preventing people from being able to express their feelings and emotions in that moment um and then feeling as though they've got to do it on their own um yeah which is you know really hard when we know there's so much healing in having your thoughts and feelings heard and witnessed by somebody else mm. i wonder what i wonder where that comes from the the sense of the 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 man you spoke about there feeling like he needed mm -hmm. to be the the strong one for the his siblings there I wonder, I wonder where that comes from it's this this terminology is this phrase isn't it be strong um and you know and I, and I can say this after all of the kind of the work that I've done and the study that I've done and so I guess I'm in a in a different headspace than if if we'd had this conversation 12 years ago mm -hmm. But when I think about be strong now, I think actually being strong is is being vulnerable, is being brave, is being able to say, you know, actually, I'm I'm finding this really difficult. Um, whereas I think, um, you know, some people have that perception of being strong means that I can't talk about my feelings. And, you know, it's a, it's a weakness to, to talk about how I'm feeling or to cry in front, front of somebody else. Um, so I think we need to kind of work on shifting that <laughs> and actually helping people see that actually to be vulnerable and to be brave and to talk about your feelings and and you know if you need to cry is is to is to cry and actually that can be being strong as well 100 percent, 100 percent agree it's 
I don't know. I, I actually can't pinpoint where the, the phrase is or if I've even, and anyone's ever said to me that men shouldn't cry or man up. I can't mm. pinpoint whether someone directly said that, but I think it would have been from yeah. just seeing different scenarios play out when I was younger that I think it gets ingrained. And I also think the media doesn't help as well. Um, certain, like looking back at certain classic movies, it's, it's mm. the, the old family dynamics definitely just play into how you perceive the the society um but yeah it's I don't yeah I don't think anyone in particular actually said those things but you do speaking to my guy friends you do all just um have that innate sense that it you do need to be um Mm. tough and you shouldn't cry and that crying is a bad thing I think that that is something we've all like innately felt but all feel like we're um we'd still be there for each other and we we do still speak about it but it's yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Yeah, yeah, and like you say, you know, there's there's so much that can influence us. It's like you say, you know, TV, movies, you know, um, uh, you know, role models that we've had, you know, caregivers that we've had, um, you know, and and even when I think about it, when you know, when I was at, at school, when I was a kid, you know, it's like don't cry you know, you, we're told not to cry, isn't it? It's like, that's, that's one of those kind of stock phrases that we were talking about earlier is that, you know, especially in workplaces, it's kind of, oh, don't cry. Or I even remember, gosh, years ago, um, I used to deliver management training. Um, and, you know, we were sort of talking, what do you do if somebody cries and, you know, and you're uh, like, well, they're one of your employees. And, I remember we used to talk about, oh, well, you know, just um, just let them know that they can go to the toilet kind of thing, almost like sending them to the toilet. <laughs> and when I think about that now, I'm like, oh, my goodness, we, we're essentially saying, please don't cry in front of me. Can you go to the toilet on your own and cry? Um, so, yeah, thank goodness things are changing, <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's... Um... Yeah, I think it's the case with a lot of things. It's the the workplace is a really interesting one because I always think about how do people. I mean, I'm sure you've had to to do this um, multiple times throughout just different events in your life, and I can think of loads in mine and my friends' lives where you have to show up for work mm. um, after like really crazy mm-hmm. events, and you. I mean, there is a sense of I'm sure there could be people I could console in, but you also do just have to to get on with it. And I think that's a real conflict that people have when they have to go through like a divorce, a bereavement is, and then you have to go and almost like pretend to be upbeat and happy at work. And it's, yeah, that is, that must be so, is that something you've worked with people on when they've, they're going through the grieving process and they have to still carry on and manage their life? Yeah, absolutely. A, a lot of my clients will say, um, usually there's a lot of and I you know kind of um this isn't the case for everybody but I do see this as a trend when I'm working with people is that there's there's a lot of care and attention uh, around that bereavement usually on the build-up to the funeral and then they kind of say well after the funeral um it's kind of like radio silence and and then you know I think I think I I try to think that most people have good intention that's how I try to live my life and I think it's because um we're a bit awkward you know so as human beings so we we almost don't want to um mention that person that's died because we don't want to we're like oh we might set that person off or we might upset that person so I think 
that can be one of the things that happens. Um, so once the funerals kind of happened, um, people they they talk about how actually they feel even more alone because all of the support has mm. has gone away, and you know they're they're not um, you know and people feel awkward talking about the person that they've lost. Um, so because they don't want to say the wrong thing, or they they don't they don't want to feel like they're bringing it up when actually the truth is that person is probably thinking about their bereaved person you know most days <laughs> so it you know bringing it up having a conversation um you know the the i had to i had a client say to me once um they said you know there's nothing you can say that's going to make this any worse because the worst thing has happened um which really stuck with me god yeah that's powerful um yeah that is so true because there's no way that like almost uh, an hour after it's going to go an hour is going to go by where they're probably not thinking about the the person or the situation especially in the preceding months and that feeling of you have to if no one's reaching out to you and no one's saying anything to you because they're afraid of Mm -hmm. saying the wrong thing then you're having these endless thoughts without Mm -hmm. anyone actually acknowledging them because they're too afraid to to say something and yeah god that's yeah that's really powerful thank you for for sharing that yeah and I I think it's you know it's just having that awareness isn't it and I I do think um there's a lot more work to be done in workplaces um you know I'm seeing a lot of organizations thinking about their bereavement policy um you know because I think sometimes that can send the wrong message as well. It's kind of like, well, here you go, here's three days or five days. And it kind of gives that, um, well, there you go, there's your five days, now get back to work. <laughs> you know, it's and that's yeah. that's not how it works, you know. Um you know, when you you know, you you live with that. And when I think about my eldest son's dad, you know, um, he died twelve years ago, but um, you know, my son has since got married um and it's those those significant events that remind you again that this person isn't here that they're not Mm -hmm. here for those moments so um so it's it's not a a time limited thing (laughs) it's not you know oh here we go right now crack on back as you were kind of thing doesn't work like that yeah I think it also just rings so true to having done this podcast just people are just always there's always something going on in people's life and you never know what's going on uh behind closed doors um or in their own mind so just yeah I think just the 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 age-old thing of just be kind to people Mm. and um also when people have a bad reaction you just um yeah having having seen friends a few of them that have had bad reactions or like been a bit um kind of distant or snappy recently you just having then found out what's going on you just never know what people are are going through so I think um I think it comes back to training people and them needing to be more um awareness whether it's like mental health first aid or um other different parts of training because mm. I, I just don't think people are equipped to to know I think there's a lot of managers out there who just aren't equipped to know um what like how to deal with these situations and how to what to say to their um their employee when they've had a bereavement if you if you mean because you're so right because i think you know typically with managers as well um you know 
you're lucky if you do get training, right? Because yeah. <laughs> you're normally, you're given the job because you're good at the day job. So it's like, oh, here, have a team of people to go and manage because you were really good at that job. So rarely, you know, you get the training. A lot of organizations do give training. Um, but typically what managers do is they 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 learn from their managers, right? So they're like, oh, well, this really worked for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this with my team and, and hopefully that will work. And sometimes that's really great. But also everyone's so different, <laughs> so it's not always going to work. And I think that's that's how we can sometimes behave with, um, you know, grief and loss is, oh, well, this is how people treated me. Therefore, that must be the acceptable thing. And that's how we treat everyone else. And and until we break those cycles and we go, actually, you know, that 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 was said to me and actually it wasn't very helpful. Um, is there another way? What what can I say that is more helpful? Um, it's yeah, unfortunately it's just gonna keep going. So we yeah, we do need to have, you know, those those conversations and and kind of raise that awareness and and to start getting people thinking about what are you actually saying? And is this really what this person mm. needs? What does this person need right now, you know? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Yeah, I mean it's just gotta start earlier in people's lives, hasn't it? Like the thinking mm. about all the different conversations you've got to have over your life that are really tough conversations that life just doesn't prepare you for. Um, it's, it's, mm. It is it's a minefield at times, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I think, you know, talking about, and that's why we just need to be more open, isn't it? We need to, you know, I think we're afraid of talking about death and dying and loss. Um, but like you say, you know, if it's something that we talk about and we talk about early on, and, and I know a lot of schools do, um, where you know it's sort of part of that education um but also thinking about what are we saying that's helpful you know mm. yeah yeah it's, i think there's one thing that um i kind of want to finish on it's uh it's the, the 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 topic of not knowing what to say or feeling like you're going to offend someone or do something wrong so not saying anything i think it applies to mental health i think it applies to mm. to um questions about the the topics that questions about sex questions about addictions questions about um relationships and it, there's so many different things that we all experience in our own heads or behind closed doors that we don't discuss outside once we leave the house once we go into work or go into a social situation all of these topics which are actually the most painful or the most intense for everyone's lives we have to pretend like they don't happen um and it's so i find mm. it very peculiar sometimes going into work knowing having got close to certain people and knowing what's going on in their lives that it's for for 60 potentially 50 60 percent of people's lives they experience all these things and we don't speak about it it's just it's the yeah I just find it very odd but I think it's uh as long as there's more people being good role models and being open and honest and people are investing in training then it hopefully should start to, to change but um yeah that is something I find very odd about the world <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's something really empowering as well. So once you kind of have that awareness as to kind of what's helpful and what's not, um, you then start recognising um, that it's OK to ask for what you need, because I think this is a, a two way thing. So it's kind of um, absolutely we need to think about um, what does that person need? And, and we've spoken about kind of validating someone's emotions, giving them empathy, listening. 
um, rather than jumping in with those kind of those mm. unhelpful, awkward statements that we tend to do. But I also think once you've got that awareness and you go, actually, let's be more helpful. I think it empowers you to then think, yeah, what do mm. I need? You know, what do, what help do I need? What do I need right now? Actually, I, I, I need to pick up the phone and, and have a really good talk about what's going on in my life right now. You know, um, so I, I think it, it, it helps people to help themselves as well by by having that knowledge because it's like, yeah, not only am I thinking about what do other people need, but now I can really think about what do I need. Um, so, yeah, I think um, Taking yeah, the good power things back. can come out of that. <laughs> Thank you so much for for coming on, Emma. That was um yeah, that was a, an amazing conversation with some um yeah really beautiful parts and um yeah, thank you. Thank you, Nick. And I think what you're doing is fantastic. So oh, you know, getting you. people talking, um, and you know, as we've spoken about, I, it, you know, having uh, lost somebody, um, to bereavement uh, by suicide and. Um, we've spoken about male suicides and things like that. I think, you know, what you're doing, um, you know, and, and talking and starting these conversations is exactly what we need. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Never Fully Heard podcast. If you enjoyed it, please just share it with a friend. Um, we'd love to get this to as many people as possible. Thank you.